This is a Voice in the Wilderness podcast channel. Today's topic is going to be the difference between wisdom and experience and what holy wisdom and knowledge of God entails. But first, a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. All that I am, all that I have, all that I do shall be consecrated to the service, honor, and glory and exaltation of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and the Heavenly Kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. So, uh, over the past couple of days, this idea came to me. A lot of people think that with age, you get wisdom. And I am living testimony that that is not the case. With age comes experience. And uh, experience and wisdom are not the same things. You can be experienced and still be a fool. Like I said, I'm living testimony to that. All experience basically boils down to, um, and when I when I speak of experience and wisdom, I'm talking about natural experience and natural wisdom. In other words, with natural experience, it's the stuff that you've experienced throughout your life. Um, in most cases, a twenty-year-old. I said most cases, unless he's led a really wild life, is not going to have a as much experience as, say, a 40 or 50-year-old. Although, once again, if the 40 or 50-year-old has led a sheltered life all their life, um, there may be, it, it, it depends on the person. I'm just saying that Natural experience is just, it's just the things you've experienced growing up, um, getting older, I should say. Because some people never grow up. Our society and culture is living proof of that. I mean, if you, if you look at a lot of the people and this 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 isn't even a what I would call a Western phenomena. This is worldwide. There are plenty of people my age who still act like they're still in college. They're still stuck at twenty five. Now I will admit, I've been accused of uh, what I got called was a New Jersey mom. That's basically an exer uh, female who still still thinks she's in college because I, I wear a leather jacket. And um, I didn't bother arguing with the guys because I don't I don't argue with ignorant people. 
The reason I wear a leather jacket at the age that I am is because um, I like leather. I like the way it looks, and it's heavy, and it's tough. And if you treat your leather right, it'll last you for years. I had... I had... uh, Almost 30 years ago, I had a leather team jacket from um, from the American football team I really liked. And that thing lasted me almost 30 years. I want to say almost 30 years, possibly 30 years. And uh, I ended up giving it to one of my neighbors so he would have something to wear. But after thir- almost 30 years, I, obviously it wasn't in mint condition, but I took good care of it. It was in great condition. The lining was uh, still in it. I mean, it was, it was in good condition. But anyway, so I've never tried to relive my glory days. And this isn't necessarily about me. I just want to get it out there. I've never tried uh, to relive my glory days. But anybody who knows an adult male over 40, once again, it depends on the person, but a lot of males, American males, I should say, over 40... If they have something that they really like, they stick with it. Once again, for the most part. Anyhow, that this is not what this is about. This is about experience. And the difference between natural experience and natural wisdom. Wisdom, and once again, it depends on the person. There are guys in their 20s who are wise beyond their years, and there are fools in their 60s who I wouldn't trust around a group of Boy Scouts to lead them to a candy store. But wisdom, natural wisdom I'm talking about now, is the ability to not only see where you went wrong in a certain experience, but to try to correct it. Because, once again, there are lots of people who they'll recognize, well, I have a really bad temper, but they don't try to fix it. Or, I've got a weakness for females, but they don't try to fix it. Or, oh, I um, waste my money, but they don't try to fix it. Natural wisdom is the ability to not only just see where you've gone wrong, but also the, uh, it's also the ability to want to fix the problem, to want to try to change. It's called maturity. Uh, Wisdom and maturity 
in the natural sense, are kind of the same thing. And there are a lot of immature people, at least online. Well, actually, even a lot of the people I've met on, on a routine basis are pretty immature. And, um, you know, they just, there's, there's a, and, um, like I said, this is worldwide. You know, there are some of the younger types, the millennials, maybe some younger Xers and the Zoomers who idolize the Oriental culture. Because, oh, it's conservative, it's tradition, blah, 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 blah. Ask any service member, or not just a service member, but anybody who's ever been to the Orient, and they will tell you that the Orientals, the Asians, are not any better than we are. Um, A lot of this... You know, culture worship is, it's a construct, basically. Because people, at the end of the day, are people. Now, as I've said in an earlier episode, different cultures do are different in certain ways. But at the end of the day, they're all made of people. And all people are flawed until they come to the realization that they need God and there's only one path to God. So, um, but like I said, um, the culture and society is just filled with immature people. And it doesn't help that a certain segment of the Masonic Satanists who are in our culture and society, journalism, um, authors, commentators, uh, I said authors, they'll sit there and say, well, today's society, we lack lack, uh, compassion or we lack... um, delayed gratification, or we lack courtesy, oh, we lack uh, temperance, or, you know. These guys that make reference to this, a lot of them are making reference to it in a purely secular sense. And I mean purely secular sense. They're not, they're not referring to it in a religious sense. And as I've said in a previous episode, without God in your life and, and having a proper understanding of God, you're not going to be able to maintain these um, positive characteristics. You just aren't. And a lot of people miss that. 
you know, they, they, for whatever reason, you know, people are people. They, you know, depends on the person, but most people, you know, they don't think that they need a proper understanding of God. They don't think that, you know, um, they need to turn their lives over to him. Now, having said this, for you older Xers out there, you probably have heard of Bill Bennett. He was Ronald Reagan's um, Secretary of Education. I believe it was Ronald Reagan. I know he was in the Reagan administration in some capacity. Um, and I know he served in Bush the Elder's cabinet too. But when I was a pagan and he'd go on the Limbaugh show, the Rush Limbaugh show, and run his mouth, it used to irritate me. And the reason it used to irritate me was because just like I don't like being lectured to when I'm watching football about politics, I don't like being lectured to about character when I'm trying to listen about politics. Now, you got to remember my context. I was a pagan at the time, complete and utter heathen, as somebody once called me. But he's a Protestant. And uh, I don't I don't want to offend nobody, but the truth is the truth. If you're a Protestant, you do not have a proper understanding of God. And if you do not have a proper understanding of God, you do not have a proper understanding of character. Because character and God go hand in hand. And if you're one of these types that thinks that being, you know, being a Protestant somehow makes you special, you're wrong. You're wrong. But um, with Bill Bennett, you know, he's, he's lecturing. This is, we're talking back in the 90s. We're talking about um, he's lecturing conservatives about character. Now, I agree that everybody needs character, but without a proper understanding of God and having um, holy wisdom and knowledge of him, as I said in an earlier episode, you're not going to be able to maintain um you're not going to maintain be able to maintain the positive attributes that you're looking for because sooner or later you're going to come upon a situation where even despite your best intentions you're going to act badly the reason i brought up bill bennett was was because he kept, whenever he substituted for Rush Limbaugh, he would tell Americans, oh, you need to, you need to get with God. You need to get to God, with God. Now, one of the errors of Protestantism, I mean, and it's chock full of errors. Anytime you tell a person 
well, you can make up your own mind about God. You know, you 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 make up your own mind and you act the way you want to act. There are going to be many, many, many errors because, as I said in my episode about Protestantism, there are about eight billion different people. So you're going to have eight billion different forms of quote-unquote Protestantism. But I... One of the biggest errors I talk about with Protestantism is, and I wish I could take credit for this, um, for this pithy comment. I can't. It was actually from the Kurgan. If you haven't heard about the Kurgan, I have an episode for him. And the Kurgan basically says that uh, Protestantism is Christianity... Let me let me get this right. He's oh he said it's um Protestantism is secular Christianity. And he's right. That's one of the one of the biggest errors of the Vatican II Council was instead of being God centered, they turned it around and made it man centered. And this is not the episode that I want to get into that particular issue. But maybe in a future episode, I will talk about that aspect. But anybody who is even slightly wise will understand that if you're sincere in your belief and love of God, that the focus isn't on you. The focus is on God, and you should turn your focus on God. You should, <clears throat> you know, he's your creator. You're not his. So, you know, like it or not, you know, things, things don't always go the way we want them to go. That's because God's in charge, not us. But um, looking back at him, um, and I'll talk about Bill Bennett, obviously. Um, this, this was back in the 90s. And, and by 2016, society had degenerated to a point where... Um, we had what we had happen. And since 2016, it's getting worse and worse. And that's purely from a natural viewpoint. I'm not even talking spiritual. For my thoughts on society and culture, go back to one of my previous recent episodes where I talk about it. Oh, um, What, you know, Bill, Bill Bennett, for all his blather, all his bloviating, society actually got worse. Society actually got worse because it wasn't practicing what is preaching. 
And the reason it wasn't practicing what it was preaching was because we pay lip service to God, but we don't give him real homage and love. That's the bottom line. And as I said in many previous episodes, you know, everything that happens is through divine providence. Everything that happens is through divine providence. But that doesn't excuse us. See, that's, that's having character. It's not making excuses for your own bad behavior. So, if society's going to hell in a handbasket, a person with character is not going to say, oh, well, you know, uh, it, it's, it's culture, it's society, it's those Democrats, it's Joe Biden. Or, if you're a lefty, oh, it's, it's that Trump, it's that evil, corrupt Trump, and it's those evil Republicans. A person with character is going to say, it's my fault. I indulged and spoiled my kids. They grew up to be as bad as I am. And I'm every bit to blame for the cultural decay as anyone else. And I need proper knowledge and love of God so that first I can fix myself. Lord willing, I can fix my family, and then we can see about everyone else. That's one of the biggest errors of our uh, culture and society, too. Everybody's worried about everyone else. Everybody's worried about, well, you know, you've got a, a certain segment of the population that's more worried about what's going on in Hollywood or Washington, D.C. than what's going on in their own four walls of their house. And there's another segment of the population that decries the moral decay and claims they're Christians, yet if you ever saw the way they behave online, you'd never know they were Christians unless they, you know... um. If they didn't have stuff in their bio that, you know, all on this, on that, blah, 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 blah. Now, when I say these things, I'm not talking about everyone. But it's a lot of people, at least in America. I won't, I won't hazard to talk about anywhere else. It's a lot of people in America. Because things have actually gotten worse. And the one time where we really need to turn to the true God and his true religion, everybody's making excuses. Everybody's turning their back. Everybody's, you know, it's everybody else's fault but their own. I mean, and the people i.e. set of a contest or true Catholics. There's a segment of them. They're more worried about what's going on in politics than fixing their own lives. You know, um, 
I, I, uh, any of my longtime listeners know I don't spare my co-religionists because they need to be held to a higher standard than everyone else. If you know better, then you should act like it. And you should be treated as such. A person who knows better has the character to understand that if things are wrong in their society and culture or within the four walls of their house, it is their responsibility to fix it. And speaking of character, you know, for all the conservatives blather about, oh, well, we need, uh, we need personal responsibility, but we got to elect the right people into office to fix our broken society. No, you know, for all the conservative blather about, oh, we don't trust the government, blah, 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 blah. They're every bit as guilty as everyone else of looking for mama and daddy government to fix their issue. Personal responsibility starts with you, nobody else. So you guys recognize that fact. Um, nothing's going to change. And by the way, by the way, I'm not saying that um, true Catholicism is the key to reforming society. Don't, don't, don't get it twisted. I'm not saying that it isn't an answer. What I am saying, though, is, is I'm not a prophet and I don't know what tomorrow may bring. But as it appears, as of this minute while I'm recording this um, episode, um, it does not look like that barring an act of God or his blessed mother, that we are going to have the miracle. And that's another thing, too, that annoys me about said Vacantis is they want they want their miracle. They want, they want the miraculous miracle that's going to come in and save them responsibility from taking care of themselves and others. They want God to, to not be God. They want him to be the fairy godmother and wave his magic wand and make everything right again. Now, I don't, I want to stress, I don't want anyone to get this twisted. I am not saying that God cannot do the miraculous or his blessed mother, but they have. In the blessed mother's case, there are, by my reckoning, at least five or six recognized Marian apparitions where she warned true Catholics what was coming. Now, some of it is not true Catholic, uh, the, the average layman in the pew's fault. There were active, there were active enemies within our prelates and priests who actively fought against our Lord and our Blessed Mother's will. But at the end of the day, 
that does not resolve us of the responsibility. And I would say to my set of a contest co-religionists that the responsibility is even larger on us right now. Because whether we like it or not, we're in the times we live in. And it's not just enough to, to play online um, chatterboxes and bewail, you know, the Vatican II sect, the, the, the Masons that are running this world. That cow has already left the barn. It's time for us to repair the damage that we can in any way we can. A lot of people in the Sedvacantus movement, let me rephrase that. Everybody in the Sedvacantus movement, and I'm including myself in this, has some means of contributing, not just for the reform, not just for the reform of um themselves but they also have the means of reform their co-religionists and once they get that done them you know well we should be at this point because you know I don't care what anyone says time is running out and we need to get as many people on the Ark of Salvation that are willing to go. Now, one of my biggest things, and it took me years to learn this, I just, I say what the Lord and His Blessed Mother put in my heart, it's up to other people if they're going to accept or not. But I do pray for everyone. So, if you honestly you know, try to get loved ones, relatives, or even co-workers into the truth and they refuse to listen, then just pray for them. That's it. That's all you can do is pray for them and make sacrifices. But once again, I've covered that. Um... There's uh, one of the aspects of modern day society, and I've covered this as well, there's a lot of self-satisfaction, a lot of presumption, and a lot of pride. You know, anybody, and this is why I say I hold set of a contest to a higher standard. Anybody who knows their scriptures especially in the New Testament, it's replete with God does not like prideful people. It's literally the reason he kicked Satan out of heaven. But the time for excuses has got to stop. The time for self-indulgence has got to stop. It just has to. I mean, if you're serious about God. If God and, you know, true religion, reforming yourself to his ways 
it's just an abstract concept to you, well, that's on you. That's on you. I'm going to need to start making this a habit. The motto of this podcast is, my job is to inform, not to convince. You know, people need to start growing up and taking responsibility for themselves and quit waiting on um, on Papa God to do everything for them. Now, before anyone gets it twisted, I'm not suggesting that um, we can do it all on our own. We can't. But we at least have to make an effort. And along with the effort, we have to be willing to do God's will, whatever the consequences. Nobody, nobody wants to accept the consequences. Nobody wants to accept the consequences. Nobody wants to die to self. I, I know that there's a certain segment of the younger types out there, and I'm talking side of a contest, who want to be, um, they want to die defending, you know, their communita, their church, or whatever. If, if it's God's will, you will die doing that. But in the meantime... You're supposed to die to yourself. Now, this is just my thought on the matter. You take it for what it's worth. It's easier to die. It's easier to die physically than it is to live and die to your selfish, your selfishness. And by the way, I'm speaking from my own experience. It is much more difficult. It is much more brave. It is much, it's much more admirable. Instead of dying in a pitched battle, even if the, the cause is worthy, such as the defense of your co-religionists, It is much more worthy to die to yourself. Um, my patron, St. Saint, Saint John Capistrano, he actually was a monk who led a bunch of poorly armed peasants against the Islamic armies at the Battle of Belgrade. I've covered him in an earlier episode too. Part of being a monk is dying to yourself. Now, am I suggesting married people become monks? No. But even if you're married with kids, you can still die to your selfish wishes. That is more admirable. That's part of leading by example. To get to the second point, because I haven't forgotten, about holy wisdom and holy knowledge. Oh, I'm sorry, knowledge of God. Without prayers, mortifications, um, 
sacrifices, you'll, you will not be able to obtain either one. And holy wisdom and knowledge of God kind of go hand in hand. You're not going to get knowledge of God. First of all, your attitude needs to change. If to you, your faith is an academic exercise or, or if your faith is an apologetics argument, you're not, you're not actually worried about the person that you're trying to, can, um, you're laying the facts out to. You're more convinced about scoring cheap and easy internet points. Um, you're not going to get holy wisdom and holy um, knowledge of God. You're not. Because once again, you're playing into your own selfish desires. Don't have to like it. That's the fact. How do we get? How do we get holy wisdom and knowledge of God? We do it by reading of the scriptures. And if you're new to reading the Bible, the, the, temp, the cheap and easy temptation is to, to go with the Old Testament first. Now, I know that there have been saints, doctors of the church, bishops and prelates, or I'm sorry, bishops and uh, popes who have said the Old Testament leads into the New. And that's true. It does. However, however, That is for advanced Bible scholars, or I take that back, not scholars. That is for people who are advanced in the spiritual life, okay? For people who are just starting out about being serious about their faith, I can't recommend enough, start with the New Testament. Study the New Testament, read the commentary on the New Testament, which is why, as true Catholics, we don't read a Bible without commentary. We don't get to interpret God's Word. It shames me to admit that I've taken the Protestants to task for this, and I've actually seen some set of accountants online do the very thing the Protestants do. And, and these set of accountants make fun of Protestants. Ironically enough, read the New Testament. Read the saints' writings. And if you don't do anything else, and I mean if you don't do anything else, read about a saint. It doesn't have to be a full book. Butler's Lives of the Saints gives a thumbnail sketch to every canonized saint up until, I want to say, the 1800s. And by the way, for those of you who need appeals to authorita, Bishop Sanborn has said, stick with the original Butler's because it was edited after his death 
one of the more famous editors, I forget the guy's name. He was a priest, I think. He, he, he tried to naturalize. He tried to, he, he took out a lot of the miracles that were recorded in Butler's and he tried to naturalize it. He, he, he downplayed the miraculous, the miraculous and upplayed their natural virtues. But, um, I was going to say, oh, <clears throat> if I remember, I'll go back to it. But, um, your, your face should not be an academic exercise or an exercise in apologetics. Your face should be about doing God's will as best as you're able and get it in, in attempting to get as close to God and his blessed mother as you're able. There are devotions, simple devotions. There are prayers. There is really no excuse for anyone to at least um, attempt to at least attempt these things I've suggested. Once again, this is not me making stuff up. This is not me pulling stuff out of my butt. Anybody who has holy wisdom and discernment can recognize what I'm saying is, is not a novelty. It is actually a necessity. It's been taught for, for, for uh, centuries. It's been taught. Um, another thing too is God is not a lawyer. I've said that on my original podcast and I actually got that off of the Kurgan too. He's right. But that doesn't mean that we should play lawyer with him either. And justify our sins by finding loopholes in the rules. Well, I was already doing this, so, you know, it's okay. You know, I told my priest he didn't like it, but uh, eventually, you know, eventually it was all well and good. You know, we're, we're not to play lawyer with God. We're not to play lawyer with God. We're to do his will as best as we can. And this is especially aimed at set of a contest, obviously. Part of me holding set of a contest to a high standard, because they should know better, is the fact that if you get called out on your BS, don't, don't make fun of the person calling you out if they're right. Don't make excuses for what for for making fun of them and mocking them and ridiculing them if they're right. Look yourself dead in the eye and realize, yes, I'm wrong. 
And if you have the proper spiritual mindset, apologize to that person for giving offense. That's a start. But don't. And once again, because I've heard this excuse been made. Well, that person was a Vatican II sec member. So, you know, what they say doesn't matter. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you flat out. Um, I've said in previous episodes, even a broke clock is right twice a day. So even if a heretic corrects you, the proper virtue in this aspect is humility. That yes, this is a heretic, but the heretic is right in this particular instance. Obviously, in the proper knowledge and understanding of God, they're wrong. But if they're calling you out on bad behavior, they're right. They're absolutely right. So, that's part of it. Now, for my non-sedvacantist or true Catholic audience members who may stumble across this, without a proper understanding of God. And that starts with the understanding, whether you like it or not, there's only one path. I, I, I've often said mockingly to my great shame to non-true Catholic listeners, there are not 40,000 di- 40, different paths to heaven. That was mainly aimed at the Protestants, but I'm, I'm looking you dead in the eye, Protestant two sect. And you're even worse than the Protestants because what the Protestants do is out of ignorance. There's a segment of the Vatican II sect who will try to, they'll, they'll bend themselves in pretzels to excuse the indefensible. That's right in their face. It's right in their face. But they'll bend themselves into pretzels to make excuses because they don't want to live, the, live with the consequences that if they recognize that there are heretical going-ons in Vatican II, that's going to mean a major change in their lifestyle. They don't, want to, they don't want to look at that. I, My personal belief is that it takes more courage, personal courage, to look yourself deep within yourself and see the things that make you wince and you want to, um, you intend on correcting these things than it does to charge a bob wire machine gun emplacement in a time of war. And that goes back to my earlier statement. Dying physically, um, even against impossible odds, 
is it's bravery of a certain kind, but it's not the ultimate bravery. The ultimate bravery is standing for what you believe in despite the consequences and living with those consequences. And when I say this, I'm not talking about dying in a physical battle. I'm talking about, and I covered this in one of my previous episodes, is standing up to the satanic Masonic forces that run this world and standing on principle, even though you may get tortured to death for your beliefs and standing firm in those beliefs. Now, Catholic history is replete with people who cracked under torture. Now, cracking under pressure is only shameful if you stay that way, if you don't repent, if you don't do something to rectify what you did. Then it's shameful. But cracking under, under torture in and of itself, and by the way, the U.S. military teaches this too, um, it's not shameful in and of itself. So this is just a little, this is just a little encouragement. And I haven't gotten off topic. I haven't forgotten my non-true Catholic listeners. You only get true what I call holy wisdom and knowledge of God if you acknowledge his truth. And then once you acknowledge his truth, you practice it. There are a lot of people who consider themselves true Catholics. They call themselves set of contests who don't live any differently than anyone else and their actions online show it. Now, am I saying all of them are like this? No, I'm saying there's a certain segment. But you have to be, in order to get the true wisdom and knowledge of God, you've got to be willing to put your neck on the line spiritually, spiritually, physically, and innerly. So, I think I've covered everything that needs to be covered. I hope and pray that you guys get something out of this. I really do. And I do pray for everyone. I do care. Um, And I make, you know, I make no excuses for myself. Um, I try to practice what I preach. Take it for what it's worth. So, if you've listened to this point, I thank you for your time and your patience. And I thank you for listening, too. And, um, 
I'd like to see as many people get to heaven as possible. But at the end of the day, it is up to every individual that may stumble across any of my episodes on either one of my two podcasts. It is up to you to take the first step. Okay? Papa God is not going to wave a magic wand near his blessed mother and make everything all hunky-dory for you so that um, all your problems go away and worshiping him and his blessed mother is pain, painless and not, um, not hard. Anything in, in life is worth, worth the effort. And it is hard. And um, we owe them both everything, whether you recognize it or not. And um, it's hard. It's the hardest thing that you and I, I'm, I'm fully confident when I say this. This will be the hardest. If you take what I'm saying, well, what my Lord and my lady put in my heart, seriously, this is going to be the hardest thing you've ever attempted. But the reward is eternal bliss. And I, I would face Satan himself if it meant that I could go into heaven. And I don't care how I get there. If I have to spend however long in purgatory, all I'm worried about, I want to get to heaven. If I have to face Satan, I will face any, any odds for that. Now, I'm not expecting everyone to buy into that attitude because it's my own. But you should be able, you should want to make whatever sacrifices are necessary and let God do the rest. So, thank you. God bless you. Have a good day. Bye bye.